DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. I don't hear nothing. Me neither. Yawk is looking around very confused. Man, right I got now. some serious wax, but not that bad. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Dylan, good morning. <laughs> good morning. How are we doing? Doing well. I want you to pick both the Pac-12 and the Mountain West Conference title games, because obviously the Utes and the Aggies, and there's a lot of local interest in those, and I know the Collies are football junkies, so you're following all football all the time. And I will let you go ahead and pick the one that you find the easiest to pick because you're the most confident in the choice to win the game. Who would that be? Um, I would probably say Utah State. In terms of just confidence flat out, right, which game can I pick and say this is the one I feel best about? Um, definitely the Utah State game. But uh, on the side of that, right, uh, I mean, if we look back at Cam Rising's first game as a starter for the Utah Utes, uh, I believe I had said that, you know, the University of Utah was in a great position to run the table and win out. Uh, and they've done that thus far. I would not mind being right again <laughs> and uh, them winning out and winning the Pac-12. Yeah, uh, I, I, I can see that as far as that goes. Uh, I, the, the thing, I'm a little bit nervous for Utah because I don't know that they could play better. And I know that Oregon can play a lot better, obviously. The thing that would... Uh, concern me from the Oregon perspective is do I need Utah to repeat that performance in order to beat the Ducks? And my answer is I probably don't. I don't think they need to be that good. So I'm sort of on that plane of thinking that the Utes won't match it, but they probably don't need to match it. But somehow if Oregon can summon its best game of the season, I think they would have a shot too. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the big things that you know comes into play right in this game is where this game used to be uh, in an environment right in California where there weren't many fans that ever came uh, and an outdoor venue right uh, nice and this game you're playing indoors against an extremely fast team like the Oregon Ducks and, and like you're saying right very difficult to sit here and say that Oregon's going to come out and play as poorly as they did last time. So um, I think that's where the lack of confidence is and the flat-out thing that I think the Utes are going to win is, is you know, those types of uh, circumstances. But the team that dominates the line of scrimmage usually wins the game, so you figure the Utes are going to dominate the line of scrimmage, maybe not as thoroughly and completely as they did the first time, but still plenty enough to win the game. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So can uh, Utah State throw the ball on San Diego State the way the Utes did when they switched quarterbacks and the way Fresno did when they threw for 300 yards and gave the Aztecs their only loss? Or the Aztecs run the ball, dominate the line of scrimmage, so they win the game? I think that Utah State's ability to play over the top, right, in a game like a championship environment um, where Utah State or San Diego State, San Diego State has – obviously an extremely disciplined defense, 
but they do show a lot of holes consistently, especially when it comes to special teams, right? Um, especially when it comes to the kind of lack of speed around the perimeter, whereas because of you know Anderson's offense, you're seeing a lot of speed and a lot of gaps on the outside, uh, where that that box that's normally so important to San Diego State really doesn't uh, doesn't become it's a, it's a non-factor. So you were on that BYU team. Was it the second one that went seven and six when you were a senior? Uh, I yeah yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, did you have any inclination of what was about to happen the next two years? Years. Uh, yes, I, I believe in the last four games of the season, my senior year, we saw a huge shift in the way, um, in the way that the assistants, you know, were made up, and the way that they played a role in the offense. Um, you know, what we did when Zach first stepped into the role to kind of accommodate the offense to what was going to fit his style of play, right? We went away from the longer play calls, the in-huddle play calls. We went to straight signals. Um, and, you know, there was just a much, much faster uh, offense being played. Um, and I credit that a lot to a rod and fancy Sadaki. Yeah. Um, and so you can kind of see the culture changing in that way. You knew we had the right guys in the right places, and you knew that Kalani wanted to do what was best for the program on both a player side and the football side. And so I knew coming into it, and we go back to what my experience was personally, right? It's not like I had an outstanding year. Um, but I knew that you know if I could come in and make an impact on the culture and uh, help elevate that, then you know they'd have the talent for the next few years to be able to to, to change the tide. So we've had this uh, big debate, and there's plenty of people wondering what the heck's going to happen with BYU in a bowl game. Uh, BYU planting the flag in a state they rarely go to, Louisiana playing in the Independence Bowl against 11-1 UTSA, or BYU going back to familiar stomping grounds where there's lots of fans and lots of potential recruits and playing in a game in Arizona. Obviously, you take a New Year's Six if it falls your way. I don't think it will, but if it does, you grab it. Uh, what, What would you lobby for? What do you value? Yeah, obviously you want that New Year's Six Bowl. I mean, I think that's what everybody wants, right? And that makes the most sense in terms of desires. But, um, you know, I think we've talked about this before. You've you've put your resume out there for the last two years. People know you're legit. People know you're real. Um, And you continue to use this as another year of building and another year to say, okay, what does next season look like? Um, and you can only control so much, right? <laughs> they don't have a ton of control right now. And so uh, you take what you can, and that's, hey, we have a lot of players that are coming back on both sides of the ball that should be healthy, right? We're not going to go into USC playing with guys that, you know, they play great, but I don't even know the names of. Uh, and so, you know, you look at what the 2022 season is going to bring, and, you know, I don't necessarily like to look ahead, but, no matter the bowl game, uh, it's been a phenomenal season, and what's going to come next year is, is going to be game-changing. 
Wanted to hit you up on this idea of these coaches leaving like they do. And, you know, we're all for bettering yourself, and I don't think anybody's going to hold it against you. But particularly in the Brian Kelly situation, when you're potentially on the verge of a playoff bid, you need a couple things to happen. But, you know, who knows if they happen or don't happen. Um, but as far as them, it's, it's general not to really pick on anybody, but it's general across the business of them demanding such uh, uh, focus and commitment, and then they don't even see the season through. I, I just have a little problem with that. Yeah. I mean, um, this is coming from a guy who transferred twice, right? <laughs> um, the level of, you know, and, I, and I even look at the regret that I have, right? And as I sit here three years later and knowing that I did, lead BYU once and then came back to BYU after being in Hawaii and loving Hawaii so much. Um, you know, the level of commitment that I stood for at that time uh, was probably a little more immature than it was forward thinking. Um, and I look at what coaches are doing now. I look at what the transfer portal looks like. I mean, the coaches almost seem like they're just following the, the scent of the players, right? Like, yeah. They just jump and go like it's nobody's business. And for what Brian Kelly did yesterday morning to enter into a, a, a team meeting after your team found out about you leaving schools, right, to require a 7 a.m. team meeting and you go in there for less than two minutes <laughs> and don't take a single question and leave is, you know, quite possibly one of the most immature and asinine things I've uh, I've heard from a coach, um, and unfortunately, I think it stands pretty par with the way he handled a lot of things. Um, but you know, these are all these are all still people, right? And and the goal is to chase the bag ultimately. Uh, and if they're going to make more money somewhere else, then chances are they're going to take it. Um, and so there's a limit to how good of people can be and and how good the money is and in a industry like football it's it's hard to uh, hard to compete with that so as much as i want to crush brian kelly and i definitely do he's not the first coach to leave before a bowl game that bridge has been crossed many times but to leave when the yep. the playoff is still realistic is shocking but as much as i want to jump on him and just to use your words let's go with immature i'm seeing coaches fired at multiple big time schools two years after winning it all and going undefeated. So if immature is the word, don't we have to apply it to some school presidents at some football powers? Because Auburn's done it. LSU has done it. I might be leaving somebody out. Yeah, no, no, no question. That's what I'm saying. As an industry like football, right, where I think, you know, uh, across the board – Understanding the circumstances and understanding what football has writing on it to each and every school, right? Without the football program at the University of Hawaii, right? I, like the school doesn't stand. So you have to understand that, that the, the football team is the most important piece of revenue. And in a lot of these 130 Division One football schools, football is what matters to their growth. Right, and it's what matters to the president's money, and what matters to the president's bag, and so each of these decisions are going to be based off of business decisions, especially when it comes to president. You want to talk about just 
not even, uh, I don't even think maturity applies to it, right? Because it's not even more so a personal decision as much as it is them thinking it's the right business decision. And that's why we only have a certain amount of companies that, you know, are flourishing in the world because people make bad business decisions. And that's the difference between a Fortune 500 company and a bottom tier company. And so you look at decisions being made off impulse and thinking, hey, oh, this is two years. It hasn't changed. Okay, well, you're fired. You know, people need time. Coaches need time to come and implement their recruits and their and their culture and, and help develop uh, environments that are winning environments. And, yeah, sometimes coaches maybe just don't have that ability as head coaches, but ultimately what you're looking at in those types of rash decisions is bad business decisions, <laughs> you know? So that's yeah. a big part of it to me, I think. Uh, Jaron Hall's let it slip a little bit that he's uh, thinking about the NFL at least to one degree or another, and he's got a business decision if he thinks he's an NFL guy. I mean, you made the statement that was very bold at the time coming off, I think, Wilson's freshman year of how good he would be and he ended up being right. Uh, do you think he's an NFL quarterback? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think he is an NFL quarterback. <clears throat> we go back to kind of what the expectation was for Jaron coming into the season. We had this conversation at the beginning of the season. It wasn't that, hey, Jaron's going to come in and be the same guy that Zach Wilson was, right? Jaron has a very similar potential to what Zach has. The difference just being time, right, because of the mission. And so Jaron just hasn't hit that potential as fast as Zach did because of that circumstance. And so, you know, Jaron is a Jaron is an NFL quarterback, right? He's an NFL talent. Um, me personally, right, for him, I would say, hey, let's wait one more year. Let's continue to develop, right? You know, from a business side, we're not even looking at, hey, let's go take another run at the NY6 Bulls. More so, let's get another shot, you know, physically to kind of reach that potential a little bit closer prior to actually entering into the NFL and, and having teams may feel like it's a risk uh, in terms of time. So NFL quarterback, that's a wide range also. You know, there's uh, there's roster mm-hmm. guys, there's trusted backups. I think that's another level. Uh, there's yeah. uh, starters. There's team. There's guys who can start. There's guys who can start, and you look at them and think, well, he's starting, they're going to be a playoff team. And then there's the guys who are just are perennial Super Bowl contenders and probably Hall of Famers. So there's all those levels. Is it too early to project him into any one of those levels? Because we've seen BYU quarterbacks go to each one of those levels over time. Absolutely. I think it is too early. If I had to put a stamp on it, and what I would be perfectly happy with, right, is if you're able to bring Jaron Hall into your program and have him be a, you know, not even a franchise guy, right? But if you have Jaron Hall in your program, your football team is going to be better for it. Culturally, right, the work ethic, he's going to, he, like, the his ability and the effect that he has on other people is like awe-inspiring, right? And so, you know, if he collects a check and collects a bag for six, seven years, uh, and maybe, you know, is more of just, hey, I'm here to get better and I'm making this team better, uh, I'd call that a win. Um, But obviously, like I said, he's got the potential to be be an NFL starter. Um, But that's, 
that's that's unknown because you don't truly understand what his potential is at this point. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Dylan, we appreciate it as always. Thanks a lot. See you, fellas. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed. Riley Jensen on the Aggies. Kyle Whittingham joined us to talk about his youths going to the Pac-12 title game. And BYU fans weighing in on the potential bowls and going 5-0 in the Pac-12. We'll get to all of that coming up next, plus a massive game, early season game in the NBA with the Warriors and the Suns squaring off. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, reminding you to visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz Game, where there are free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The new zone lineup is here. Give it up, give it With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hanson Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Obi Toppin is guarding Durant. Durant gets it right of the lane. Jumper over him. Rattles it home. Kevin Durant's got 20. Jones back to Jackson. Turns, fires a left wing three. Ring it up. Put three on the board. Jaron Jackson caught it, found the spot, and right in the grooves and fires it up and in from the left wing. The Lakers with five and a half to play. In the quarter, Russ again attacking. In full-on attack mode, Russell Westbrook. Chioza, the porter, he'll circle to the left. Takes the three, no good. Missed it. Chioza rebound. Out to Curry. Three ball on the way. Splash! Rebound DeAndre Ayton. Gets it out on top. Three-pointer is up. Shazam by Chris Paul. 90 of Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. A lot of highlights from the NBA. Obviously, the game of the night, the Warriors and the Suns, two best records in the NBA. Suns win their 17th straight game. Steph Curry shot the ball miserably. Four of 21 from the floor. Now, by the time we get to the playoffs, if these two meet in a conference final, well, Clay Thompson should be back. Devin Booker presumably be back. He left the game in the second quarter. He had an injury. He was on the sideline cheering the guys on, but it had no impact on the second half on the court. And they played like it mattered, PK. I know it was the last day of November, but they know they got the two best records. There were three games. The Suns were three games in front of the Jazz when the night started, and they went after each other there. It was entertaining. Oh, the NBA is just the best, isn't it? I don't know if the NBA is the best, <laughs> but that game was entertaining. If you'd like to extrapolate that times 30 teams, uh, be my guest. Well, I just look at Jay Crowder. He was four of nine from three. Yeah, and he hit a big one late in the game, too. His shooting percentage determines whether they win or not. And he had it going on. Good for him. And the Suns get the W. They're now both 18 and 3. Aiden, 24 and 11. Pay the man. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Booker, man, 
They won by eight. Booker scored ten. Without him, they lose by two. Yeah, that's exactly how it would have played out, PK. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> no, it was a fun game for November. I watched most of it. I enjoyed it. Guys running up and down the court. Uh, McKee has uh, added a little bit for these guys coming off the bench. He doesn't play much, but he provides energy. Gives them more than what they used to have, especially with Sarge being out. He had, uh, what did he have? Was it the knee, Achilles or something last year, remember? Foot. Uh, went down in the, in the uh, somewhere in the playoffs. And so uh, McGee, McKee, for what they asked him to do, is doing well. So, yeah. This is, both these teams look legit to me, man. I mean, you don't go, both of them are 18-3. and three. You don't do that without being legit. There's just no way in this. I don't care if you play uh, every game at home and play against the Houston every game. And that's that's very impressive. Eighteen and three, four games in front of the Jazz now, who are fourteen and seven, and don't play again until they get the Celtics on Friday. Last home game in a long stand, and then it's off on the road. The pre-Christmas trip uh, that doesn't happen ex- anymore. Not exactly. No, <laughs> different time, different era, different people calling the shots. It is pre-Christmas, but not the way it used to be scheduled. Lakers used a 40-8 to run over the Sacramento Kings to flip that game, so they pick up a win. Lakers are the best, aren't they? They really aren't. Lakers are barely over 500. You don't think they're the best franchise? Okay. 12-11 and 11 now. It's going team, not history. If you'd like to go over the decades and all the championships, well, it's historical. then it's a different discussion. You told us... Uh, but right now... You said earlier Steph Curry had a historically poor night. And you downgraded it to one of the historically poor nights. You had me all excited there. Four of 21 is a, is a bad night at the office for Steph Curry. Yeah, but actually it was a great night, the bank account. True story. Deposited a lot, and today's the first day of the month, and he's getting it deposited. Can you imagine that? You get like, what, $350,000? Whatever it is, <laughs> <laughs> there's some story, and now it seems you know this is a long time ago. But Oral Hershiser got like a million dollar bonus since they walked around the clubhouse with a million dollar check because it was so freaky, and the guys were just looking at it and oohing and on, and basically there were a bunch of you know twelve year olds at the little league field going nuts. Now I suspect people are getting those kind of checks all the time. But yeah, how how could that how would that be? I consider myself very fortunate, especially relative to my parents. I'm beyond fortunate. But to have that kind of dough coming in on the 1st and 15th, because Jerry Sloan, man, you get paid on the 1st and 15th. Right? We all heard that, right? So we knew their pay schedules. <laughs> and we were on the NBA po- pay schedule for a while. So it was the 1st and the 15th. And to, to get that kind of money and to have zero financial concern, how could that possibly be? Mm, I don't know what to tell and, you. And then you know what's so amazing <laughs> is they make so much dough, but they get so many perks that they can easily afford with the dough that they make, but they don't have to do it. And they get excited about it. Free shoes. All right. Free round of golf. All right. Yeah, I mean, all these coaches in football and all, they're all wearing the, the issued gear. Mm-hmm. And uh, you look at... Uh, Brian Kelly with a home loan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you make it so Lincoln much money. Lincoln Riley getting his homes paid for. Yeah, and then you're getting for. use yeah. of a jet. 
Hey, Link, I want to go to Hawaii. All right, I'll make a call here. Hold on. <laughs> Get on the jet. <laughs> Are we going first class? Please. We're not with the little people. <laughs> on a private jet to Hawaii. Yeah, that's just stunning. Or New Zealand. <laughs> and I know these, these local coaches don't have private jets, but they have access to them. Sweet. So, hey, you want to go golf in Palm Springs this week? Ah, it's a long drive. No problem. We won't be driving. <laughs> yeah, and they just jet off and do their thing. And, man, it's just staggering the amount of, of uh, money that they make. It's, 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 it's really incomprehensible. A lot of pressure on them and the job stress at all. They work enormous amount of hours. And it can sure. be over in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the one thing I read about Lincoln Riley, the whole list of reasons to jump. And people are downgrading to living in L.A. It's like, well, they can get on a plane and go anywhere they want. Mostly they work inside the football building. They're out on the road recruiting, so then you're not in your hometown. It's like where they live doesn't matter as much as you think it might because they don't have that much time to quote unquote well, live there. Yeah, but I think it matters for the family. Absolutely, there. No, yes. He's got a wife and two young girls. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, LA can suck. It also can be beautiful. But if you, you have, have a lot of money and you money, live right by the water, it's a different yeah, deal. And you don't even necessarily need to live right by the water. I guess you can go up in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, there's. There's movie stars. I mean, it's not that far away, but it it's isn't. not right by. But it's also not very easy to go very far at certain times of day. I know, but you don't have to pull a Kobe and fly a helicopter. <laughs> you don't have to. Uh, in that, you know the, especially the family. But yeah, there's crap involved with it. I mean, the, you're right. To to get around is is awfully awfully difficult. And there are people who don't. I have a college friend who's a lawyer and hit a big, and he lives in Pacific Palisades. And I was down there, and he's like, and it was over the Fourth of July. It's like we don't go anywhere on the Fourth of July. You can't get in and oh, out of the neighborhood. Not. It's a mess. He says we one hundred percent stay home all day long. Fourth of July. I mean, there's, the Fourth of July is like f- two hundred fifty times though. Yeah, I mean, it's there's downside to it and all, but I can see why Lincoln Riley would want that gig. Yes, but it's for a lot of the football reasons. The money is great. The recruiting base is right in your backyard. The history and the tradition, the facilities, the budget, you know, everything you need to win. I don't discount the weather. It's the best in the country. Having lived in Arizona and watched a lot of players leave. Yeah, it it literally is the best in the country. And having watched the Ohio State-Michigan game. I I think (laughs) that if I had no, if money was no cost, no object, I mean, I would live uh, in the Palos Verdes Peninsula, uh, and it, it just bask. And there's a couple of country clubs on the peninsula to play golf. And you just wouldn't leave it. Yeah, you wouldn't it, deal with the traffic. Right, you wouldn't right. deal with the freeway. Right. Depending on where you are on that peninsula, it could be half an hour down to the freeway. Oh, for sure. Easily. Yeah. That's where Tiger was going mm-hmm. on his crash. Uh, so I can see the allure. I can see the allure. And it's going to be fun to follow to see just how good he's going to do. Because these are, these are ground-shaking, if that's even a phrase, moves. You know, I can't remember the last time we've had these two. So no one's left Notre Dame to go coach anywhere since, like, the 1900s, early 1900s. 1908. Yeah. And so to do that and then to go to Oklahoma to SC, man. I mean, every year there's the coaching carousel. That's nothing new. You know, like this Virginia Tech guy. I don't know jack about him. I have no. I, they're going to have his press conference today, 
And in five years, you're probably going to have another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, there's so many of them you just kind of roll with. But this you didn't roll with. I mean, they were just eyebrow raising for sure. I think. This is what a lot of people, if you talk to administrators, they foresee both in terms of conferences and realignment. We've seen it in coaching. There's been a pecking order. But even inside the top tier, there's going to be a pecking order, and they're going to pick on each other. To this level, we haven't seen it. No, but everybody has thought it was coming. You know, to the level of the Oklahoma-Texas move, have we seen that? Penn State from Independence to the Big Ten? Nebraska has the history and the brand, but they aren't currently on top as they changed leagues and went to the Big Ten. I don't know. They've been down for so long, I don't even view them as anything anymore. Yeah, agreed. And that's why the Oklahoma-Texas move is... Is seismic because Oklahoma's at the top, and they're in the playoff multiple times. They're in the top four. Yeah, but I get that. That that's just totally money driven. Aren't these coaching moves money driven? I don't think they're exclusively money driven. No, because I think they're already obscenely rich. I think it's more the money's great, mm-hmm. and you're gonna and sure they're gonna give they they can command more. So why not do it? If Kelly has a better chance to win the national title. LSU's had three different coaches win the national title yeah. in a stretch that Notre Dame has not won right. since 88. I mean, the, the, the academic right. requirements are different. Let's just call it like yeah. it is. Be real here. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't, I don't think, I can't speak for them, but I don't think, wow, I'm going to get this money. I'm in. I, I, you're going to give me this money. I'm going to take it for sure, and, and I'm going to have my guy negotiate as much as possible. But I think, I don't think either of them were money, whereas I think... Texas and Oklahoma going were money. And that's great. Fine. Who I will never tell someone, don't take the money. We had Riley Jensen on. A passionate explanation of why Utah State can beat San Diego State. It comes down to this. Can the Aggies make enough big plays through the air to offset the Aztecs running the ball right at them? Which Blake Anderson has said can be a problem. They've been pushed around at times. I don't see it. Plus, I think that puts enormous pressure on your offense because Sanders State's going to control the ball. You know, they, the they, offense they, comes they in stone cold. throw it, really, relative to what the amount of teams, uh, the amount of passes that are thrown today. So when you get the ball, you better take advantage of it. And that, that puts a lot of pressure on those guys. I mean, I would love to see them win. It would be fun. But I think they're up against it. And I also think that... It, when they walk off the field Saturday, they're going to hey, we had a really good season. Or if San Diego State walks off the field and loses. How do we lose to those guys at home? Yeah. And then on top of it, it's a home game, and you got a two-hour bus ride. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they do. From Carson back to San Diego. You think you see Los Angeles from Westwood to Pasadena. They're going, hey, guys, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, San Diego State can throw it a little bit. They do have a good receiver, Jesse Matthews, but it's like you said, they don't throw it very often, and at times they don't throw it no matter how good the receiver is. The bouncing, you know, five yards short of you. Is this go the get last it. game in the great run in Carson? This is it. New stadium supposed to open next year. Ready to go. The uh, great run that they've had. Two beautiful seasons. Cal State Dominguez Hills. At Cal State Dominguez Hills. Yes. The Stanford of Carson. 
<laughs> the what? The Stanford of Where my wife got her master's degree, and our esteemed boss, Scott Gerard, mocked it. And I still haven't forgiven him. That's true. Which is why I hope the Aggies lose by 70. <laughs> I want to dance in his grave Saturday because he mocked where my wife got her master's degree. Well, they are 10-1 and one in that uh, Cal State Dominguez soccer facility. So we'll see if they make it 11-1. I mean, it's not a home field advantage. There won't be a lot of people there, but they are 10-1 and one there. So. Well, they're 10-1 because they're good. Yeah. Well, they were, they were mediocre last year, but they won at home and lost on the road. So, But this year, you're right. They're winning everywhere uh, except the one loss. The Fresno State got them, came in and got them. Well, so. you can't expect to beat the Bulldogs every year. Bulldogs threw for 300 yards. That is the Aggies' path to victory. Jim Sweeney ain't walking through that door. And Dylan Cauley, Riley Jensen, thinking that the Utes are going to hold at the line of scrimmage. And the Utes, while not running the Ducks off the field the way they did a couple weeks ago, should win this game. Because they will win the line of scrimmage. I would buy that analysis. Maybe not making a big play for the punt return and blowing them off the field and humiliating them by halftime. But in the end, it doesn't matter. Well, they might get a fumble in a short field or something that essentially is the same thing that produced the same type of result. I don't know. The Utes don't win a lot of games by 31 points. It'd be stunning if they beat a ranked team twice in three weeks. That was the best game they've played since they've been in the conference. And I can maybe go the best game since whenever. All things Best game since they went up there and put 62 on Oregon at Oregon. Except Oregon sucked like that year. We just didn't know it that early in yeah, the season. Yeah, so it didn't, it, no, that yeah. didn't count. This was a team playing for the playoff. You know, the Devils got the Ducks a couple years back, but it was a long pass at the end, and that was great. This was, right, but it was, was nothing fluky. This was domination yeah. start to finish. That was highly competitive, and ASU made one more play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And NFL receiver got deep. And this game was over at halftime, and everybody knew it. For sure. They, yeah, they got dominated, man. It was just absolutely amazing. Everybody knew it. The most impressive performance I've seen them put on, certainly since they've been in the conference. And I can argue since I've been here, and I don't go back uh, before 93, and Utah didn't do a whole lot before that anyway, as I understand it. But yeah. And if they do it again, that's a top 10 team without question. And it's a shame. That they that won't it, get that, ranked there? Well, <laughs> they will get ranked there. I think they will. If they dominate these, yeah, these the, guys? Yeah, uh, the AP poll would move them there. They're close enough. I don't know that the committee will, though. Oh, they don't. Do they even do a final one? Yeah, they got to do one more to pick the top four. Uh, do so. they even pay attention at that point? That's an excellent point. <laughs> but then again, I guess you can say I'm that. I'm thinking about of the, the final voters. AP poll. The final AP the poll, month. they can get to, to top 10. The final regular season AP poll, there'll be another one. And on it's Sunday. a shame that there's not automatic bids because this club. This, if they win convincingly, this club you'd like deserves their chances, a chance. You'd like their chances if we had a 12-team playoff now because they're a better team. Much better. Yeah, I can, I can argue that nobody's better. September doesn't matter at this point. No. From September to now, and I don't, I, I'd have to think about it, but I could argue that they're the best team. D-line, they've made the most improvement is what I'm D-line, trying to say. D-line, O-line, quarterback. Three position groups that have upgraded big time. Oh, I think running back. Yes, you're right about that. But I would agree with you. Yes. On the other ones, for sure. Right. No, in the Washington State game, Thomas was coming off the field, and they're standing on the sideline. They don't do that anymore. Right. Right. Get in there. Right. <laughs> Give them the ball. Yeah. Get out of the way. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A reminder to join Unrivaled with Alex Curie and Scott Mitchell Friday from 3 to 6 at the Hot Tub Factory Outlet Holiday Sale in Draper next to Cowabunga Bay. 12101 Factory Outlet Drive. That's 121st South Factory Outlet Drive. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback and people have questions. What they got? Tyson. Why is Riley Jensen so confident? Didn't Utah State just get rolled by Wyoming a couple of weeks ago? I think there was a little fan there talking, sure. Yeah. And he he was asking for respect. And I don't have any problem giving them respect, but it's hard for me to think that they're going to beat the Aztecs. It's two different things. They deserve respect. They went 9-3. and three. I went and looked. I do my preseason predictions that we publish, and I had them at 5-7. and seven. I... Uh, I Got uh, BYU at eight and four, and then I got the Utes right, right on. Got them at nine and three. Yeah, hit it right on the head. I did. Yeah, and I can usually be within a game because we follow these teams. It's like Pac twelve lines. But BYU was two games. Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. I got, I got so it. overachieve. I'm so, positive yeah, there. Yeah, and yeah. I'm with you. It's not yeah. like I was sitting around thinking they were going to yeah. win ten games because right. I wasn't. Right. I thought eight was the right neighborhood. Right. I can usually actually. Get I thought a game, all of but your, I missed two, two and, of the three. And maybe it's because we talk so much football, but I thought all of your picks were in the right neighborhood. Yeah, but Utah State way overachieved. And the, and the Utah State thing, the fact is, right out of the gate, I knew Jack about Bonner. Yes, yeah, that's clearly big. Yeah. But there, and the transfers on both offense and defense made a big and Tyler at running difference. back. Yeah, I mean the receivers it, uh, pretty much had an idea, and, and a lot of their defensive guys. But they, the, it's basically the transfers, and that they could come in and come from behind in the fourth quarter on the road at a Pac-12 school and win. Yeah, super impressive. That was very impressive. Uh, so uh, we had Kyle Whittingham on earlier this morning, and Salt Lake Jake asking about BYU being the Pac-12 South champs since that's all you talked about this morning. Are you not man enough? <laughs> and Jones, I would say most BYU fans, and I won, don't feel this way, but it sure didn't help when you have Reese Davis putting more fuel on the fire on ESPN last night. That's the thing that I think makes it relevant, not the, the trash talking between the fan bases – is just for fun because it's a rivalry. Right. And that's what sports is. Right. But recruiting is part of the business. And the 5 and 0 stat is real. And when ESPN, in the middle of their college football yes. playoff show, is pointing out that BYU went 5 and 0 against the Pac 12, that matters. That screamed at me. But even before this, it mattered. Yogi Roth, who covers the Pac 12 for a living. And yes, he can get on the on the Pac-12 uh, fun bus and and be pretty upbeat about it. But even he said at the start of the year how they handled BYU is one way to measure the league this year. And yeah. he was talking about, man, well, what happens if there's two or three losses to BYU? What does that say about the league? Depends on who loses, what kind of season they have, what the games look like. But he brought that point up with us in the preseason. And then in the end, well, they don't have two or three losses, they have five. And what does this say? It was a down year for the league in a series of down years. But if you lose twice to the Big Sky, five times to the Mountain West, and five times to BYU, it says something about the league. It do. <laughs> oh, and they're not in the playoff. Yeah, which would cover up a lot of the a lot of the scars. Yes, yes. It's funny, but in a sense, I put it on the Utes. Uh, the quarterback change came too late. They could potentially be playing with a playoff. I don't know potentially, this. Potentially, but it's still a reach. 
because they got pushed mm. around at the line of scrimmage in the BYU game. The quarterback absolutely so would have made loss. a difference against San Diego State. Well, they loss. lost to Oregon State after the lines were coming together and after they changed quarterbacks. So I still think they end up 10-2. Probably. Yeah, I gotcha. But it's I, on I, the youth for blowing out Oregon. <laughs> Oregon had okay, a pass. There. See, it's on the youth. It is on the youth. exactly what I'm but saying. It's on the youth for taking <laughs> Oregon and just dragging them around the field for three hours. <laughs> Who do you think you are? All right, DJ PK, Jake and Ben with more in a moment right here on The Zone Sports Network.